hear amazing predictions, visions, contacts from the other side as you listen to a top psychic at work. Call in and get her insights and the kind of pop psychology everyone can use. It's radio's most fascinating show, Psychic Talk with Dr. Linda Salvin. Dr. Linda goes beyond and brings you along. Dr. Linda Salvin, your host of Dr. Linda Psychic Talk, every Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on bbsradio.com. And this is the place where spirit meets reality, or is it reality meets spirit? And that's what we find out at the end of every hour that I share with you on the air. I have a very special guest tonight, and I have somebody that's going to make you laugh. I have somebody that may make you cry, may give you chills when you hear some of the story. And... um, it's somebody that I've known for a couple of years, and I follow his, his quirkiness online. His name is Steve Bluestein, and he was a very famous stand-up comic during the heyday of the comedy era. And he has written a book called Memoir of a Nobody that you have got to read, because I'm not a big reader, but every page has me either crying, upset, or laughing. That's how brilliant this book is, and it's not in chronological order. It makes no sense as to how this came together, but it is perfect. It's perfect. So I don't want to spend time introducing him. I just want to bring him on and let him tell you about himself, because he loves talking about himself. And this is Steve Bluestein. Welcome to the show, Steve. Well, thank you. No, no, you can keep talking about me. That's great. (laughs) Okay, well, then I'm just going to read from your bio where... um, In the memoir of a nobody, you, Steve Bluestein, tells about your life and observations. And it says that even your own mom asked who would want to read a book about your life, and that gave you the idea of the obstacles, gave us the idea of the obstacles you had to overcome. I thought that some of what you used to express like on Facebook was a joke, but the more I read the book, the more I see and empathize with where you came from, the challenges, the dysfunction, the abuse, the negativity, the lack of support. I mean, it's scary to be in a world like that because who you know you can't trust anybody, and you had to learn to trust yourself. And once you started to get on a roll with something, like a lot of us, the rug got pulled out from underneath you. And um, I shared some of my experiences in comedy with Steve just last week, um, where I was doing a five-minute bit but didn't get up because Chris Rock was on, on the stage at that time, coming up and coming, and I didn't know that I was not the only one that got bumped from getting up to give a um, to give a performance, that that's the way the industry was. But I didn't have anybody guiding me. I didn't have anybody teaching me. And that's, stand-up comedy is just one part of Steve's historical creativity. He has worked on TV shows. He has worked with celebrities. He has opened for people in Vegas. He has written plays, and now he's got books. So I don't want to talk about you just because you've opened for Barry Manilow and Donna Summer and Melissa Manchester and Kenny Loggins and Frankie Valley and Stills and Crofts and all those people just because you got to meet those people and work with those people. The other side is your life. And none of these people really stayed in your life as friends or partners and I think what you've learned and what the message is, which is why it's so important to be on my show, is when you come into a spiritual balance that that everybody has something in common and that what looks like it's greener on the other side isn't always necessarily the truth. And that's what I'm getting out of your book, and that's what I get from your stories. Even though you touched 
some of the stars. You've, you've touched the highlights of life that people envy, Steve. People look up to you. People worship you. People adore you. And then you've got the industry that sometimes just doesn't give you the job, and then you feel like a piece of crap. So I understand this roller coaster you're on, and you put it beautifully in your book, Nobody of a uh, Memoir of a Nobody. So how long did it take you to put the book together and actually figure out all these stories that you had stored inside you to, to compile? Well, uh, you know, Carol Prop, who is a talent producer in Los Angeles and is also a really dear friend, she and I worked on a TV show together, and we became friends on the TV show. And I would call her and tell her what's going on in my life, and you know, because my life was insane. And one day she said to me, <laughs> I'm just thinking me, of the dog, I'm thinking of Paris, I'm thinking of your mother in Australia. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> so, Go on. So uh, uh, here's a perfect example. Tuesday, last Tuesday, right, I, am, I have my house for sale. I'm selling my house, and, I'm, uh, and I had an open house. So the broker comes, she brings the food, the, she puts the signs out, and we're sitting in the living room, and the next thing I know, I, I said to her, do you smell smoke? And she uh -oh. says, yeah, I smell smoke. And I said, I look outside, and the entire street is covered in smoke. And I thought, oh, it must be June gloom. And as I'm saying that, a fire truck runs by. Oh, so, So... I run out in the street, and there's like five or six doors down. The hill is on fire behind my house. I did so, say that you're having open so house, they, of course. And I'm having an open house. And the helicopters are flying overhead, and they're dropping water, and the fire trucks are in the street. Then they close the street off so nobody can get on my street to get to my house. And I, I turned to the broker, and I said, this is my life. I have it an is. open house. And somebody sets the street on fire. That's exactly. Uh, so to answer your, so to answer your question, to answer your question, Carol, Carol Prop said you have to write all this down in a book. And so I, you know, like I get, you know, talk about spirituality. I get what I call these feelings, and like it comes inside of me, and it's like, yes, this is a great idea. And that's how I felt. I said, "Oh, that's a great idea. This is this is this is good. You should do this." So I sat down that day and I started writing, and I wrote every day for three years. Wow! Uh, wow! Every I got up at six o'clock every morning, and uh, I wrote for a couple of hours, and I ended up with seven hundred pages of memories, Jeez. and I I split it up into two books. Memoir of a Nobody, and after this book has its run, we'll do another memoir of a nobody. And it's and I, what I did was I took my resume, and I just started writing about, you know, the stories of these these headliners that I worked with. And as I started writing, it sort of became like a stream of consciousness. And it reminded me of stories from my childhood. And so I interjected those stories in between the celebrity stories. And 
it was like a cathartic experience because in the book I wrote about things that I never told anybody. Wow. Okay. And and it infuriated my family. My family didn't talk to me for years afterwards. As a matter of fact, I had one aunt call me up and said, you are never to cross my threshold again. Because you told because, the truth of your experience? Right. I told the truth of my experience, which included something, you know, uh, other members of the family. Right. But, I, I, you know, I finally said, you know, but what about my rights? What about, you know, my ability to talk about my life? You know, why do I have to always uh, subserviate myself to somebody else? Because you come from a really Jewish family like I do, and you're not supposed to tell the neighbors, and you're not supposed to let out the secrets, you're not supposed to disclose anything, but it goes back to even when you were two years old where you felt oppressed. You were aware of yourself as a child listening to your mother and father and not being taken care of and and, and just sitting there eating Cheerios. I mean, people have got to read this book. There's a story about a duck. There's a story about a tooth that falls out. There's a story about Barry Manilow. There's a story about Donna Summer. I mean, it... I I can't give it all away, but if you want to elaborate on one of these stories, I think you'll have everybody laughing. I don't know which one... No, well, I, let's talk about one that's really depressing, the one you mentioned <laughs> about me eating Cheerios. Yeah, and, let's go back to know, when you were a child. The, I must have been about two or three years old because I remember I was in diapers, and I remember that I was sitting on telephone books to reach the top of the table. But I, I, but I also remember the oppression that I felt and the depression that I felt at that age, because what was going on in the background were my parents physically fighting with each other, calling each other names, horrible names, and my mother screaming at my father, and my father throwing things. And I just remember feeling so horrible at that moment. Even as a child, I mean, that's amazing that you can go back that far. I have some recollection of three, but not two. So your awareness and your position in life was set very early, and your eyes were open, your heart was open, and you always got hurt. You always got burned. You always got rejected. Well, I mean, I, I absolutely remember being so tiny that the light switch on the wall was way above my reach. Right. I mean, that's that's how small I remember. And I, I don't know why I can remember, because today I can't find my phone. I can't find my <laughs> keys. I can't, you know, I, say, I used to say I can't find the garage to my house, and it's attached. You know, it's, it's true, but I remember these things with such detail. And all I was doing when I was writing the book was just, seeing the picture in my head, and then reporting it on the page. And, I think uh, We're talking to well, Steve Bluestein about his book, Memoir of a Nobody. You must go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any place else you can find this paperback, and you won't put it down. It's a page-turner, folks, Memoir of a Nobody. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's also a hardcover and okay. the Kindle version just came out, and the Nook version just came out. And I, I have to tell you, no one is more surprised than I am at the response to the book. 
in the oh, first week get, it was I on the best. I told you it's going to be big and it's going to continue, and I'm going to get you on my friend show. This is just the beginning. This the success is going to take off. Something's going to happen because of this book. It's kind of uh, like it's amazing. It on the first people, week it was on the bestseller list, and I was people like, people love in, you. I was. I know that. I don't understand why, but I. I well, you don't love you because of all the mishigas you went through, but the world doesn't see it that way. Just like when you're yeah. opening for Barry, they don't know what went on backstage. When you open for Donna, right. they don't know what went on backstage. They don't know what kind of crummy hotels you had to live in or if a limo showed up or if you had to eat tuna fish versus a buffet. They don't know what you yeah. went through behind the scenes to go out there. And then what was... Um, uh, one of the shows, it was for the elderly people, and I think you had to go on like for an hour and 15 minutes because I wouldn't take you off. Which which gig was that? You had to open for somebody just went on and on and on and on and on, and somehow you oh, pulled it out of a Oh, that was Jim Bailey. That was okay. Jim Bailey. And Jim Bailey, you know, he came out as Judy Garland, and then uh, he would, uh, I would come out and do 20 minutes, and then he would come back out as Jim Bailey wearing more makeup than he did as Judy Garland. And one night I was on stage and I looked over and they're giving me the stretch signal. So I, yeah. I, did, I did another 20 and then I did another 20 and then I did another 20 and I finally had done over an hour and I looked at the audience and said, look, I've done everything I've ever written and I've done three of Jay Leno's jokes, so I'm done. <laughs> So I walked over to the piano, and there was a magazine there, and I picked up the magazine, and I started thumbing through it, and the audience was screaming, and you know, because I was just sitting on stage looking at a magazine, and every so often I go, "Oh, look, a coupon," and I pull it out of the, I pull it out of the magazine, and when I would do it, they would laugh, and finally, after about another ten minutes of this, I looked over, and they gave me the go-ahead sign, and I said. I went over to the microphone and I went, "Thank you, good night." <laughs> and, you know, you as big fun. as I could, as big, and they they screamed. And as I was walking off stage, Jim was coming back on stage and he said, "I'm sorry, but Judy was giving me a hard time." <laughs> uh, to this to this day, I don't know what that means. It means you're schizophrenic, and with that, we're going to take a break. This is Dr. Linda Salvin. You're listening to Dr. Linda's Psychic Talk. My guest tonight is Steve Bluestein, talking about his comedy career over the years and his new book out on the market that you've got to get called Memoir of a Nobody. You will laugh your head off. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Don't go away. It's bbsradio.com. Dr. Linda Salvin. Do you owe the IRS? Anxious about your financial situation? J.M. Rose Accountancy is here. Dr. Linda says J.M. Rose is the da Vinci of accountancy because what he does is an art and a science. J.M. Rose stays in touch online and by phone. And they'll travel to you. For back taxes, IRS problems, or just getting your taxes done on time, J.M. Rose is confidence you can trust. Click on jmrose.com or call 800-992-5800. 800-992-5800.
Do you need answers for love, career, personal, and spiritual life? Then call the famous radio psychic, Dr. Linda Salvin, at 1-888-509-1077. 1-888-509-1077. Years of experience prove it. Thousands of people confirm it. Weeks of wisdom work. Dr. Linda Salvin's amazing candles combine ancient teachings and rare blended herbs, powders, oils, and more for results that can't be explained. Are you ready to bring money, love, success into your life? Improve wellness, lift restrictions. Don't put it off another day. Wicks of Wisdom work like a prescription for your soul. Order your set now, risk-free. Call 888-509-1077. Dr. Linda Salvin. Okay, folks, this is Dr. Linda with my guest tonight, Steve Bluestein, who's a comedian, a writer. He wrote for TV. He's got plays. He's got books. And the book I'm promoting is Memoir of a Nobody. Steve, I know you were young, out of college, and you went to Emerson, grew up in, right. in Massachusetts. Why comedy? What do you think sparked you to step onto the stage and really give it your all to, well, to be funny? All right. The- that's, there's a, this is a very long story, but uh, I have a Russian uh, travel agent, and uh, we were talking, and I said, you know, my family is from Russia, and he said, where? And I said, Odessa, and he said to me, well, then you must have a good sense of humor, and I said, why do you say that? He said, Odessans are known for their sense of humor, and there is a comedy festival that goes back centuries. Wow, so I didn't know that. There is, there is a genetics to comedy. And, you know, everyone on my father's side has what I have. They all, my, my cousin Bobby, my cousin David, my Aunt Edie, they all ha- could, had the ability to deliver a joke and tell a joke. And they, and they love to send me jokes, you know, that they've written. Um, and why did I go on? I, I moved... I moved from Los An- from uh, New York after I graduated Emerson. I moved to New York City and I, I lived there for about three years. And then I, 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 it was it's tough to live in the city, so I moved out to California, where, you know, I could, I could have an apartment that wasn't bigger than a postage stamp. <laughs> and I moved into one of these these Hollywood buildings where everyone congregates around the swimming pool. Well, it happened to be that in that building lived Dave Madden, who was Reuben on the Partridge family, and Albert Hammond, who was the a songwriter who is now has more, later in life has won Emmys and is in the Hall of Fame, Songwriters Hall of Fame, and is a huge European star, and... Those two guys, we were sitting by the pool one day, and I was making everybody laugh. And Dave Madden said to me, you know, Steve, there's a club that just opened up called the Comedy Store. You should go there. And Albert said, absolutely, we'll take you. So Albert Hammond and Dave Madden took me to the Comedy Store. I sat in the audience. I watched what was going on on stage, and I thought to myself, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And... The next week, I came back to the comedy store, 
and I did five minutes. And when I got off stage, Sammy Shore, who was the owner of the club at the time, came up to me and said, you've got the sound. You've got the sound. Come back. Keep coming back. And that's all I needed was a little bit of encouragement. And I came back every night for, for years, and I became one of the regulars of the comedy store in the very, very beginning, when the only comedy club in, La, in, the, in the United States beside the improv in New York, was the comedy store on Sunset Boulevard. Wow. And, and, and I was there with, um, with uh, Barry Levinson, who's now a director, and Craig T. Nelson, who's you know, a fine sure, actor, actor, and uh, uh, Jay Leno, and Elaine Boozler, and Tom Dreesen. And, I know Tom. Uh, yeah, and... Um, 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 let me think, George Miller, and, you know, all these people who were the foundation of what is today the comedy industry. Which and is so different was, than when you were on the road or doing comedy clubs because everything's gone digital or the, the club scene is different where they're not putting as many people up as they used to. It's really a sad situation how it, it's gone, like, there's certain comedy shows, but the actual comedy circuit has changed. How how, well, how I have mean, you coped with that? I mean, it's like non-existent. Well, you know, in the in the '80s, uh, you know, if there were two corners, there would be two comedy clubs right. on each corner. And that's when uh, I was doing that, comedy. Yeah, and that was uh, the downfall of comedy because they needed acts; they needed to oh, fill those right. spots. They saturated. And 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 anybody who thought they were funny was, were getting up. And on top of that, then tele- when, when, when television saw that the comedy clubs were so popular, they picked them up and put them on television. So we got the Comedy Channel, and we got Evening at the Improv, and we got uh, The Laugh Stop, and we got all these, these TV shows. And they were churning out. And then people kept said, well, why should I go pay for it when I can go see it on television for free? Yep. And, and then what happened was the clubs who were paying, let's say, a comedian two or $3,000 a week and paying their room and paying their airfare, suddenly were paying them $1,000 a week, and they weren't paying for their room or their airfare. And, and so the good comics said, I'm not going to do that. And they, they stayed in town and became writers or got TV series. And then the desperate comics who were desperate to be seen, they took those jobs and they weren't as good. And so the whole comedy scene began to disintegrate. And then the clubs started to close. And, you know, when I was there, I kept saying, just remember vaudeville. Everybody said vaudeville would last forever. This comedy club circus cannot last forever. And that was my motivation to get off the road and to start writing. And that's when I started writing for television. Well, you did the Brady Bunch. And who else did you do besides the Brady Bunch? I, I, I did. I wrote the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, which was voted the fourth worst television show <laughs> in the history of television. I can't even get the worst television show. I get the fourth worst television show. 
And I wrote, I wrote Candid Camera. I wrote uh, Totally Hidden Video. I wrote 13 East, a sitcom by NBC. I wrote Norman, for Norman Lear. I wrote the Playboy Playmate uh, Awards. I wrote, you know, I, I wrote a lot of variety in sitcom. And then, as in everything in show business, you reach an age when you're making so much money that they don't want to pay you, so you get bumped. And then the younger kid comes in who's making less money and happy to get it. And so I went from the television, I went into the theater and I started writing plays because I said, oh, this will be easy. I'll just write plays and I'll get them produced. I should have just taken my hand and shoved it into a shredder because it would have been a lot easier. You know, I, so I wrote seven plays and... You know, I've had some success in the theater. I, I have, I've had uh, Rest in Pieces, which has just been optioned uh, again, and it had been produced at the Delaware Theater Company, which is a, a theater company that brings plays in and then brings them into New York. And I had one play produced in Boston, and I have another one going up in Marstown, Tennessee. And, you know, I, it's a lot of work. And then that is a lot of work. When, and then I started writing my books. You know, I have I have three out now, uh, 49 and a Half Shades of Blue Stein, and my <laughs> latest book, which hasn't been published yet but will be soon, is called Take My Prostate, Please. And that that's, uh, chronicles my, uh, my uh, excursion through prostate cancer. Can I interrupt you and ask you to please tell everybody what you did at Customs with your mother coming back from Australia? All right. Well, it's a very long story, but I'll They're just tell you stories. that. My, it's a very long story, but I'll just tell you that my mother is was a hoarder, and she her 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 motto was get as much as you can from anybody, and so every so she. She, I took her to Australia because her husband had just died. My stepfather had just died. And she said to me, nobody has ever done anything nice for me in my life. So I would love to go to Australia, and I'm never going to mention it again. I'll just let you make the, the plans. And, of course, she mentioned it every time we spoke for the next two months. <laughs> and so I took, her, I took her to Australia, and she stole everything she could get her hands on. By the end of the trip, the, the, the um, luggage was about 400 pounds. You know, I, <laughs> it, it, was, it was a nightmare. And <clears throat> so as the plane was landing, as the plane was landing, the landing gear was coming down. My mother hits the call button and says to the stewardess, can I have a deck of cards? And it, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I ripped off my seatbelt. I jumped up in the aisle, and I said, a deck of cards? Why the hell do you want a deck of cards? Oh, I, that's right. You stole the card table from the hotel. What are you going to do with a deck of cards? And then my mother looks at the flight attendant and said, he's been impossible the whole trip. And, of course... I look like a raving lunatic, you know, and and the flight attendant trying to get me back in my seat. So when we finally land, I jump out of my seat and I get off the plane, and I'm the first one in customs. And so my mother has a different name than I do, she because she remarried, 
And I was first in line, and I looked back, and my mother was like 10th in line behind me. And I said to the customs guy, <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is anything, but that woman over there has been acting very suspicious on the whole flight. And he said, really? I said, yeah. You know, I think she's got something in her luggage. And he <laughs> said, thanks for the tip. So I, about two hours later, after they've strip-searched my mother, and, they've, and you know, I, I was standing out in the lobby, and the doors would open, and I could see, I could see into the customs room. And, you know, and I, all, all was there was, like, radios from the hotel and towels and, and, and brochures and fruit and everything she'd take, silverware. And, you know, at, at one point she... At one point, she went to see the penguins in the, at, you know, she had her, took a trip to the Arctic to see the right. penguins. And I said, don't come back with a penguin. You know? <laughs> That's so, so funny. Uh, that is so funny. I, I mean, when I read that portion of the book, I was in hysterics. And I'm friends with Steve on Facebook, so I text him every time I'm into something that's got me laughing. And I'm going to laugh all the way to commercial, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We also have my friend Karina, my psychic and medium friend, who's going to join the show and talk to Steve and give Steve a little prediction. I gave Steve a little reading the other day, just a tidbit of what's going on. So you hold on. This is Dr. Linda. If you want to reach me off the air, the number is 888 888- 509-1077 or click on lindasalvin.com, book a reading, healing, or channeling session, order the candles, the weeks of wisdom. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Linda on bbsradio.com. Dr. Linda Salvin. Do you owe the IRS? Anxious about your financial situation? J.M. Rose Accountancy is here. Dr. Linda says J.M. Rose is the da Vinci of accountancy because what he does is an art and a science. J.M. Rose stays in touch online and by phone. And they'll travel to you. For back taxes, IRS problems, or just getting your taxes done on time, J.M. Rose is confidence you can trust. Click on jmrose.com or call 800-992-5800. 800-992-5800. Do you need answers for love, career, personal, and spiritual life? Then call the famous radio psychic, Dr. Linda Salvin, at 1-888-509-1077. 1-888-509-1077. Years of experience prove it. Thousands of people confirm it. Weeks of wisdom work. Dr. Linda Salvin's amazing candles combine ancient teachings and rare blended herbs, powders, oils, and more for results that can't be explained. Are you ready to bring money, love, success into your life? Improve wellness, lift restrictions. Don't put it off another day. Wicks of Wisdom work like a prescription for your soul. Order your set now, risk-free. Call 888-509-1077. Dr. Linda Salvin. Okay, folks, welcome back to the second half of Dr. Linda's Psychic Talk with my guest tonight, Steve Bluestein, who's calling in from Los Angeles, and I've got my friend, psychic and medium, Karina 
Delaney calling in from Chicago. So Karina's going to give Steve a little bit of a reading. We'll chit-chat, but I'm not done getting some of the stories out of Steve because they just keep me in stitches. You've got to buy this book, Memoir of a Nobody. You will laugh. You may cry. There's some sad parts. Crosby, the dog, made me cry. Your dog. And um, there's a story about a duck. What's that all about, Steve? What's the duck? Well, this is a, a, a true story. Uh, I mean, they're all true stories, but this is a story that's infamous amongst my friends. And they always tell me that I have to tell it at parties. But um, I was driving through Laurel Canyon, and out of nowhere, a duck fell out of the sky and hit my car. <laughs> so I, I kept... I kept driving, and I looked in the mirror, and I saw the duck on the side of the road, and it was like walking around in circles. And I, I said, I can't leave this duck here. I have to take, I have to take it home. So I, I run back to the duck, and suddenly I look at the duck, and I said, you're a Jew. You don't know where this duck has been, you know. <laughs> so there was some newspaper. I wrapped the duck in newspaper, and I put it in on the front seat of my car. So I'm driving home to my house, and in my apartment at the time, and uh, I look over. The duck is not doing well. The, the, you know, it's like groaning, like this. So I start speeding up. I start speeding. Next thing I know, I hear, I see a siren. I mean, I hear a siren, and I see lights in the back. I, I get pulled over for speeding. So the cop comes over to me. And I said, look, I'm sorry I was speeding, but this is a prize duck. And I've got to get it to the vet because it's very sick. And just as I said that, the duck threw up. So, <laughs> so I, 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 the, 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 the guy looks at the duck and he looks at me and he says, do you need an escort? I went, yeah, that'll be nice. So now I have a, an escort through Laura with it. And the duck's on my it wrapped in newspaper sitting on my on my seat. So I get I get the duck back to my apartment house and there were no pets allowed in the in the apartment house. So I had to sneak the duck into the apartment. So we have a we had a a, a manager, an apartment manager who was like a like a psychic, you know, she could tell you if there was, you know, if you had ants in your apartment. She just knew everything. And I got the duck in and I and it starts quacking, you know, quack, 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 quack. And the phone rings, and it's, and it's Marjorie, the manager. And she says, do you have a duck in your apartment? <laughs> I said, I are you out of your mind? Who would have a duck in a two-bedroom apartment? Please, leave me alone. And I hung up on her. So meanwhile, the duck is doing nothing. So I'm thinking, what do I do with this duck? And I look, and I, I think, duck, water, duck, water. So I take the duck and I put it in the toilet and I flush. I flush the toilet so that the duck gets so the duck's not doing well. So I think maybe it's hungry. So I go to my cabinet and the only thing I have is matzah, you know, leftover from Passover. So I crumble up the matzah and I start throwing it at the duck. And I look over and I look in the mirror and I say, do you realize you're throwing matzah at a duck in your toilet? This is the most <laughs> insane thing I've ever heard in my life. So now the phone rings, and it's my agent. And he says to me, look, you've got to get over to Universal right away. There's a part for you. So I said, I can't go. i got a duck here in my up. He's, 
forget that, Doc. I, you got to get to Universal. <laughs> so I go in the bathroom, and I lower the lid on the toilet so that the duck won't jump out. I go to the interview. I come back about two hours later. My ex-wife is out cold on the bathroom floor. And I run over to her, and I said, Sharon, what happened? And she said, I sat down on the toilet. I <laughs> had to go to the bathroom, and something quacked. <laughs> and with that, the duck died. Did she flush it down the toilet? No, no, no. We no, the, no. The she duck died. We we had a we had burial we had burial at sea. You know, we we took it down I, to the dumpster. I have a bird and toilet story. Do you want to hear mine? Go ahead. I had a I had a Myers parrot back in ninety two ninety seven named Joey. Yeah. And I raised it from the bird store over in Studio City, and I brought it home, and I used to put it on my shoulder, and he'd go yank yank yank. And when I was doing readings in one room, I'd always, when I was done, I'd say, Joey, and he'd answer, he'd go, ink, 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 and he'd come walking down the hall and get on my shoulder. Well, one day, I was done with my work, and I asked for Joey to come over, and I didn't hear anything. So I kept calling his name. I walked into the bathroom, and he usually would perch himself up on this little basket on the lid of the toilet while he fell in, and he drowned with a smile on his face. He must have just Aww. tipped over. It was really sad. It was really sad because he, he was only three months old. But um, he would get off his perch in the living room, walk through the hallway, come into the room. He was a real smart bird. You had probably a spiritual connection to this duck, and that's why you rescued him and gave him the rest of his life. But um, well, the fact you, is you, you didn't leave what? him on the road. I... You didn't leave him. When I, you're right, I have always been that way. My, my, when I told my mother the story, she said, well, you, you were always like that as a child. You were always bringing home dogs and cats Aww. and birds and snakes. And, 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 and it's true. And it's the same. And, and it's, it hasn't changed. I have two rescue dogs right now. I, I've had five totally, you know, over the years. Every dog I get is a rescue. Even the kitten that I had, I found in the yard at my house uh, with its eyes closed and the umbilical cord still attached. Oh, jeez. And I thought, you know, I, and I went out and I got uh, an eyedropper and I got cat milk and, you know, and I fed the cat and it grew up to be the meanest, most vicious animal oh, that God. ever lived on the face of the earth. It hated every living human being that ever walked into my house with the exception of me. I was the only one that that cat loved. Right. And it was so funny. It's so funny because a friend of mine said, well, why didn't you leave it? The mother would have come back. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You, with your experience, you think the mother would have come back. With my experience, I said, the mother abandoned the child. Right. Right. And that's and that's yeah you know, because that was my because experience. that's your experience that's your experience right Steve out of all the celebrities um, you have worked with from the Donna mm-hmm. Summer who's no longer alive or the Barry Manilow who's on top of his mm-hmm. game and is like an icon or um, even at Penny Marshall's party and every celebrity mm-hmm. known to man in entertainment and sports was there I mean you must have had like your eyes popping out of your head what one celebrity that you worked with 
left you in awe. I mean, really in awe besides being an equal, even though you don't see yourself as an equal, you are an equal. But is there one in particular that really kept you, like, yeah. overwhelmed? And hands down, hands down, um, it was Donna Summer, and I'll tell you why. I worked with Donna when she was at the height of her disco fame. This okay. is when every record she put out was number one. And when she worked at the, we worked at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas together, and it was sold-out shows, 5,000 people every, you know, two mm. times a night. And after the first show, there was a knock on my dressing room door, and I opened the door, and Donna Summer was standing there. And she took both my hands, and she said, I just want to tell you how happy we are that you're on the show with us. Mm. And no one, no one has ever done that. No one. Uh, Ma- Melissa Manchester was like like being with family. You know, right. uh, it wasn't like being on the road with a star. Melissa was like family. But Donna was so huge at the time uh, that it made it even that much more special. Sure. And the funny thing was is that she was from Roxbury, Mass., and I was from Chelsea, Mass., and so... We used to joke, you know, just two kids from just two kids from Boston having a good time here in Vegas. <laughs> but you did yeah. it. I want to introduce you to my friend Karina, and um, feel free to ask Karina any questions on a personal psychic level because that's what she does best. She's my psychic, and I read her. We talk almost every day, and um, most of what Karina says happens within about six weeks to a year's time. And I, I don't have that much time. You have more than you think. I need, I need we have two faster. minutes before commercial, but let's. I, I made a prediction. Steve has his house on the market in in the L.A. area, and um, it's I in Bel Air. You can say it. It's in Bel Air, which is outside of Beverly Hills, up in the hills, and it's probably the most expensive lands, um, real estate in L.A. Karina. So, can you uh-huh. get a hit as to when he's going to go into escrow when they sell the house? Somebody buys the house. Do we lose Karina? Um, is, oh, is there like a plum? Is there like a plumbing issue in the base? I know there's no basements in LA, but like on the first floor, like kind of like to the east, like where the kitchen would be. Uh, no. And even if there was, I would do you think that. I'd tell you so that? <laughs> no, I couldn't. Sell. No, uh, the house is in mint condition, absolute mint condition. Okay, I, it's a well, total a renovation. I renovation. Uh, no, it's a total renovation from the front door right up to the to the top of the house. I would still double check because there is something with water related, um, but I don't feel the house will be in escrow until about really more end of June to the second week of July. I said about the same time frame, June, July. Yeah, okay. that's right. That's right. I did. I did. That's. Yeah, but I would check. I'm telling you, there is something with water. I don't know what it is. Something I don't know could be leaking well, underground I mean, or under the house. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. Could. No, yeah. no. There is. There, when the house was under construction, there was a mudslide. So maybe that's what you're picking up. Okay. Maybe. Oh, that's right. Maybe. You went through that. Oh God. Yeah. 
You have been, I don't know why you've been targeted every step of the way. There's not one chapter of your life that you escape disaster. But it's... it's Look, it's, I, I, my very first house I bought was in Northridge. Right. And, and I bought it right, right, right before the earthquake. As a matter of fact, I used to joke with my friends and say when they printed the map in the L.A. Times about the, the epicenter of the earthquake, there used to be a little sign on, to the left of it that said, Steve's house. <laughs> Hold on on that. We're going to go to commercial for the last time tonight, and we'll come back on that. This is Dr. Linda Salvin. You're listening to Psychic Talk here on bbsradio.com. If you want to reach me off the air, 888-509-1077, or click on lindasalvin.com, and I'll answer your calls the next day. We'll be right back with my guest tonight, Steve Bluestein and Karina Delaney, calling in from Chicago for some spiritual stuff. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Dr. Linda Salvin. Years of experience prove it. Thousands of people confirm it. Weeks of wisdom work. Dr. Linda Salvin's amazing candles combine ancient teachings and rare blended herbs, powders, oils, and more for results that can't be explained. Are you ready to bring money, love, success into your life? Improve wellness, lift restrictions. Don't put it off another day. Wicks of Wisdom work like a prescription for your soul. Order your set now, risk-free. Call 888-509-1077. 888-509-1077. Do you owe the IRS? Anxious about your financial situation? J.M. Rose Accountancy is here. Dr. Linda says J.M. Rose is the da Vinci of accountancy because what he does is an art and a science. J.M. Rose stays in touch online and by phone. And they'll travel to you. For back taxes, IRS problems, or just getting your taxes done on time, J.M. Rose is confidence you can trust. Click on jmrose.com or call 800-992-5800. 800-992-5800. Do you need answers for love, career, personal, and spiritual life? Then call the famous radio psychic, Dr. Linda Salvin, at one 888 509 1077 1-888-509-1077 Dr. Linda Salvin Okay, welcome back to the last segment of Dr. Linda, and you're listening to me interview my friend Steve Bluestein, who's an amazing comic, writer, playwright, author, and uh, humorist. I mean, no matter what he says, you're going to laugh because he makes a joke out of life. And, um, you know, he goes as high as you can with the jokes, and he can be as low as you feel with, with, with moods and emotions like all of us, and he handles it and he balances it. Steve, what's... Um, What's on the plate now? You're going to be writing another book, but do you think you're going to go back on stage anywhere, or do you think you're going to get any breaks to get uh, me back you know, on TV? I, I don't know. You know, I, I did stand-up for over 30 years, and I worked all over the United States, and, you know, in Reno and Tahoe and Vegas and Sparks and Atlantic City, and I, and I worked a lot. And I'm, I'm tired. You know, I'm tired of the travel. I don't enjoy the traveling. I love 
the 20 minutes or 40 minutes I'm on stage, but the the day that it takes to get there is just, you know, it's just too much any, anymore. Well, it's exhausting, and too, so, and a lot of times, even with your jet lag, I don't know how people like you would pull it off when you'd be, I know what it's like to travel and then to get up, even though you get the adrenaline rush when you hit the mic, I understand that, but everything else I mean, I, I would, the, the only thing that gets me out of the house now is money. That's to be quite frankly, it, it, quite, quite frank. I, I, you know, you offer me enough money, all he, but and even that doesn't work out. Listen to this, I, I was offered a job uh, in Cancun, all right, and uh, I turned it down. I said to my manager, "No, I, it's not my audience." And the next day, they offered me more money. And I said, it's not my audience. <laughs> and the next day, they offered me more money. And I said to my manager, look, it's not my audience. I know what my audience is. That's not my The next day, they offered me more money, plane fare, and a week's at the hotel with a suite. And I she said, how bad, could it, how bad could it be? <laughs> how bad could it be? Well, I found out how bad it could be. My oh. instincts are my instincts are right on. I'm on stage, and I have stood on stage when a woman had an epileptic fit in front of Barry Manilow's show, when right. there was a fire in the, in the, comedy, in the club. I've, st- I've seen a guy get shot outside the comedy. I've seen everything that could possibly happen on stage, I have seen. I am standing on stage, and I'm saying, what the hell is that noise? What I've never heard this before. And I stepped out of the spotlight and looked into the audience, and what I saw were 300 people getting up and leaving because it wasn't my audience. Your audience, they didn't like the humor. They didn't like it. They, and you were right. They didn't understand it. Anyway. They didn't understand it. They, were, you know, they didn't speak English. I said, <laughs> what am I doing? But it was... That was the worst, literally, in 30 years, that was the worst job I ever had, and it was the last job. And I said to myself, this is like God saying to me, stop. You, you know, you don't need the money. What are you doing this for? That's and, so and, you know, you know and, and I used to explain it like when I first started, there was this hole in my soul that needed to be filled and i got the feeling from standing on stage and talking you know and well, making isn't people that true laugh of all of us who entertain because we don't feel love from home or our friends or right. just that hole and so we get right. that unconditional love and attention and then after a while it's like this is a job i'm okay you fill up and you don't need the 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 spotlight anymore you are the spotlight Ex- you know who really that's loves exactly you. right i was going to say the hole got filled Yep. And suddenly I was just doing it because I didn't know what else to do. And I that's when I turned to writing, you know, when I, and 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 I and I learned that I love writing. I get three I, more books. I get three more books, not just the one. I get three more books over the next 5-6 year period that you're going to pump out and I also oh, yeah. get book tours. You're going to be on book tours. I see. You're just starting a whole new career. I am. I'm doing yeah, a book tour in oh. in uh, September, Washington, okay. D.C., Hartford, Connecticut, New York City, and Boston. 
Great. Great. You're going to yeah. have fun doing that. You'll have fun doing that. Karina, do you say so. anything I for him? Um, yeah, I was just listening. Um, yes, I do actually think one of the books actually might be um, adapted into like a, like a sitcom or something like that. Into a production oh, that, of sorts, a TV show? Something like well, that. Well, that's yeah. interesting because Pat, Pat Proft, who is an old friend of mine mm-hmm. and who wrote uh, Airplane and, and oh, yeah. uh, all, the, all the Zucker films, uh, and uh, he's been working on a script to turn the book into a, a movie. So you're right on there. Dead air. Dead air. No, we're fine. We're fine. We're right, just at the right. end of the show. And Okay, so you have somebody that may be adapting one of your projects. Steve Robinson. Yeah, Pat Proff. I wish I had Pat two Proff. hours. I wish I had two hours, but there's only one hour tonight. Oh, I'd tonight. love to spend two hours with you. Well, we can have lunch. We'll do lunch in Hollywood, or we'll do lunch in Belgium. Right, we'll great. do lunch. I will call you. Right. But, Karina, thank you for calling in. Steve, thank you so much. This has been a blast. And I cannot tell you, folks, you must buy Memoir of a Nobody by Steve Bluestein. You will laugh. You will cry. And you'll just love Steve like everybody else. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Linda saying goodnight with Dr. Linda Psychic Talk, 888-509-1077. This is it on bbsradio.com. Bye-bye. LindaSalvin.com LindaSalvin.com Yeah!